वेलकम टू सन टॉक Talkers around the table today discuss the nature of poison. We'll think about the mechanics, chemistry, and to some extent the conceptual models underlying poisons, toxins, and venoms. We'll wonder why is there poison in nature at all, and how can we characterize poison? what are the underlying molecular and cellular actions and why do snake bites for example cause sudden death is it true that small doses of poison can help us develop immunity and would it be fair to say that what does not kill us makes us stronger we'll also wonder if there's anything good about poison and the potential linkages between poison and medicine in some form We are pleased and privileged to have two sin talkers around the table today. Dr. H S Bawaskar, who is a doctor in rural Maharashtra and where he served for 35 years, is currently running his own institute in areas of clinical research and health issues, and has dealt extensively with scorpion poison amongst others. Professor Balram Singh. who's been in academics for the last 35 years and for the last 25 years in the University of Massachusetts is currently running his own institute called Institute of Advanced Sciences where they work in new ideas in integrative science Balram maybe we set the ball rolling with you um to understand what the word poison means to you how would you characterize it and and you know obviously the worst question to what is poison is what is not poison so maybe we just set off with that somewhat speculative question and then we'll just set the ball rolling and see where it goes well um it's very interesting question the question that is always asked um when i started working with botulinum toxins um i was told that this is like tetanus and tetanus is something that people know that you know you get tetanus because you know there may be dust particles or rusty rusted nails uh, or So I I had no idea. I thought that is maybe uh, this must be related to something uh, dust. And uh, but you slowly learn actually it turns out to be a protein. So now protein is normally if you say protein people think that it must be something nutritious. Yeah. Uh but that's not how it is. So the poison is obviously something that has negative effect on on uh, a life mm-hmm. generally. Uh human life particularly. Mm-hmm. And that's how people think about it. But actually I even though I accidentally thought about dust to be the the poison but we know now in in Delhi or in Mumbai people have their f- mouths covered because they don't want dust to go inside because dust can also be a poison <laughs> so uh, the the definition of poison is relative it's uh, it depends on the time and place mm-hmm. and almost anything can be poison and mm-hmm. and also at the same time the same thing can be depending on time and place medicine mm-hmm. so it's a it's a it's a concept of poison from pharmaceutical point of view is a dose so the dose is the poison dose is the poison mm-hmm. uh, it is not anything nothing is really poison in this world 
if they doesn't have enough dose. Now, the how can that become uh, a, a medicine? It's a question of uh, you learning about it and then appropriately using it in, in some sense. So that can become a medicine. Right, right, right. And you spoke about botulinum very briefly. I mean, it's, it's the most poisonous thing known to us, uh, for example. How is it different from the... Uh, you know, from the from the mosquito spray that you one would use at home. Well, the, it's both of them are chemicals. One is much called micromolecule or biological micromolecule. Mm -hmm. The other one is a chemical which is very small. Right. Uh, both of them have their own way of operating on some biological system. Mm -hmm. But to just give you a sense of uh, the 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 difference. Uh, particularly about botulinum toxin. And botulinum toxin is is 100 billion times more toxic than something like cyanide, which is you know known to be a poison. Um, and how would you measure that when you say 100 billion times more? This is the effect uh, in what terms? I and mean, how, how would you characterize it? And don't mind being technical. No, no, no. I think this, the, it's just the number of molecules you need to kill. Right. So it's a number of molecules of cyanide versus number of molecules of botulinum will, that will be needed to kill an animal or a human being is 100 billion times. So, for example, I mean, people know about cobra toxin, and Dr. Bhaskar is going to talk more about scorpion and cobra toxins. Mm -hmm. uh, it's about a million, five million times more toxic than, uh, than cobra right. uh, toxin. So, so, but the, in, in, in terms of cobra toxin, it's really pro both of them are protein. And uh, it's just a question of where they act, how they act, and what system they attack is how, the, how dangerous it could be. And botulinum is a neurotoxin, so it affects the nerves. And since nerves control everything in body, and that's how it, it's more effective. Mm -hmm. um, of course, cobra toxin also affects uh, nerves as well, but that also affects other cells. So does botulinum exist in nature in free form? Uh, botulinum is produced by a bacteria. Okay. It's a it's a oldest, uh, at least one of the oldest bacteria because it's anaerobe. When there was no oxygen in nature, right? This the anaerobic bacteria. Uh, that time they grew, and it is it still exists. Anaerobic bacteria, even though there is oxygen, it's a very interesting phenomenon in this ecology. So what has happened? Have they turned aerobic now? No, 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 no. no. So they are they still anaerobic. See, this, this interesting thing about this evolution is that whatever is started, viruses started, bacteria started, they still exist. Yeah, of course. Even though humans were not there, we are here now. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we even think that we are smarter than everybody else. <laughs> but uh, but the thing is that the bacteria is still there. And so this anaerobic bacteria called Clostridium botulinum. Okay. And actually, it's, it's a cousin of uh, tetanus. That's why I started talking about this tetanus. That is produced by Clostridium tetani. Right. So it's just the same, uh, same bacillus, or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, anaerobic bacteria, and they produce two different types of actins, which are very, very closely related to, yet they are different. And um, so it is produced by this. Yes, it does it ex exist in nature. And it exists uh, in, right now, it's currently known to have seven types they call it serotypes because that's how you can use the anti, um, ven uh, not venom, anti-toxin, right. and to neutralize them. And actually, there's even a controversy uh, just came out in Science Magazine yesterday. Uh -huh. There is an eighth one, and there is a huge controversy in the U.S. because uh, there's a group which said that they have an eighth one, which is uh, uh, more toxic than others. It turned out to be 
probably not the eighth one. It's just one of the combination of other ones. And who are the favorite hosts? Where do they live? Uh, it normally lives in wherever it can find anaerobic conditions. So it's a very good question. It's related to why it might be even toxin. I think you have yeah. in your intro you said something about you know toxins why the toxins are produced. Yeah. Um, it is its host. There are uh, all kind of animals, birds, fish, uh, animals like cattle, oh. horses, uh, even human beings. uh but the 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 way they it the, it does is it, it if you can get exposed to food poison basically okay so when when some any of these animals eat or humans also eat they get this botulism and mostly is fatal because so so toxic mm-hmm. so when they die normally aerobic bacteria first hit mm-hmm. so they eat whatever they can eat with and then eat all the oxygen also and this is when this starts growing after that so that's right. where this it becomes a host right right interesting i'm sure there's lots more there to be uh, thought about dr bavaskar how do you characterize let's just chain tracks for a bit and think about scorpions for example are all scorpions poisonous and you we spoke about it a while ago uh, it's obviously a very rural kind of concern we probably don't have scorpions biting us in cities all the time how how is that poison different and how does one think of uh, the scorpion poison world now scorpion poison is totally different than other poisons because this is a little toxin which is secreted in the tail cell gland which lies in the tail of the scorpion okay it curve on a spell and inject to the prey like uh, insects which is the prey of the scorpions accidentally sting to the human victims and ultimately this venom which activates the sodium neuronal channel in the body that is right. small sodium neuronal channel this lies on the nerves and ultimately stimulate and excited and release the catecholamine in the body mm-hmm. and this catecholamines affect the all systems mm-hmm. it raises the blood pressure it raises the heart rate ultimately heart fails and patient develop massive pulmonary edema and patient dies because this is unusual to be surprised to know that i was not taught this i was not aware scorpion can cause such manifestation when i landed without pre medication to my rural area i saw the victim died of pulmonary edema that's make me more wonder how the scorpion and how long does it take to die doctor pa- i have seen a patient died in 15 minutes of sting because of cardiac arrhythmias irregular heartbeat right and patient can stay up to 24 hours if not treated and ultimately they die of congestive heart failure right but for the scorpion uh, the poison is just a way of finding the prey yes. is, is that the case no 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 this this just uh, just paralyze the brain just to kill the, that is the way but accidentally stung to the human victim with a human being is not his prey at all right. it is his own protections because other we can kill uh, we can kill the scorpion immediately of course but he tries to give you a pain so get relief from from him <laughs> <laughs> of course of course and yeah. what what else i mean how how is snake poison for example different from the scorpion S- poison snake is poison is totally different Okay. Snake is a space. Snake got a special organization or organs where it uh, secrete the venom. Mm-hmm. That uh, salivary gland is stays uh, st- uh, st- in the in the near about the head. There lies the salivary glands which the venom is secreted and it is injected through the fangs in the human victims or the prey. Right. And this is a chemical structure. Okay. And this chemical structure causes various manifestation in the human victims. one is caused as, as a uh, uh, professor uh, balram says uh, pre signed by botulism botulism caused the paralysis of the nerve similar manifestations occur in the crate venom which cause a pre synaptic block 
ultimately nerve muscle paralysis victim get paralysis and dies of suffocation respiratory failure right. while in other snake like viper snake which cause the hemorrhagic or uh, the coagulation factor is affected in the blood and blood become thin and blood uh, blood started bleeding all part of the body and patient right. dies of hypotension and anemia Right, right. So, I mean, even the world of snake poison is not uniform. There are different kinds of poison. It cannot be uniform because snake varies, species varies, the character varies, clinical effect is varies. But even, even I think in, in every snake, there are so many types of toxin, even in yes. a given many, snake. Many, many toxins. I mean, there are, I mean, sometimes even they don't know how many they have because, you know. Yes, yes. Is, it is a cocktail. Cocktail yeah, of many. Yes. It's a cocktail. Oh, it's a cocktail. It is a cocktail this, of many toxins. So, the same species may have different cocktail yes. of yes, different yes. combination of yes. toxins yes that's very interesting and yes. how why would that be why why is that the case well they probably i mean having it he he probably will know more but i think they have several targets like he's saying you know there it's not just one particular no, no, tissue no. is being affected no, no. it's like different tissues are affected by this so there's an evolutionary it, kind of argument it, for that or no 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 this is your accident because it's like preys are the rats and various small animals and in snake itself it can it can swallow and kill the small snakes so right. it's a cannibalism so ultimately various manifestation various snake character various uh, insect or prey character decide the venom characters if the different venom if there is not a combination of cocktail there are various uh, various insect may be resistant to the particular venom just like we are getting pesticide resistant now similar phenomena occurring evolution of the uh, this insect and the snake also so there is competition between two that's interesting but what's the way to think about the different cocktail that you spoke about is it just similar to us having different blood groups or it's 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 um, different species have different cocktails you know what i mean no 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 the, you know different species has a venom is different character you see if we take a cobra venom is a neuro neurotoxic right if we get a russell viper or viper bite which are hematotoxic right. so ultimately but the, the still the scientists are not fulfilling the complete structure of the venom still right. they are on the way process of uh, analyzing the chemical structure of the venom because it's a big cocktail it contains amino acid various enzyme non peptide so peptides very complex molecule very complex molecule very complex and because this this is ultimately this is a very good and a very nice uh, experiment for a scientist to work <laughs> it's amazing how you yes. use the word nice yes. nice experiment that's very and tell me why is that poison in nature at all of course you see it is a struggle for existence yeah ha this is you see if a snake snake important snake is a not so evolved animal is a reptile plane it has no more, more uh, limbs like us now the reptile uh, they, they want a food so ultimately nature has given given him the venom to paralyze uh, to affect the uh, food that is a rat and animal or lizard like that it's a gift to the snake by nature yeah yes it's a gift to, to a gift to the snake snake as god, god has given and uh, evolution has given him and ultimately paralysis of the rat will it is a prey that is for what for the, the venom is utilized but accidentally it for a defense is why to the woman victims so to the snake has a snake has a not a aim or venom is not prepared for the to bite the woman victim which is accident right so let's say in the in the instance where they're preying on a rat yes. and you end up biting a rat uh, with snake poison what does the snake do after that because you just <laughs> you see because the venom is most important for the snake himself because it is a very prestigious molecule for him as a store for to get a food Yes. ultimately when it inject to the rat rat get paralysis or bleed in the lat itself and bleed to death because it take near about couple of hours or few hours to buy to rat to bite because snake cannot swallow the living rats 
yes so ultimately around that after by batting to the prey snake stays couple of hours around that uh, around that prey so when it paralyzes it swallow because we have noted a crate bite which is a very very poisonous snake uh-huh. when it bites to a person during the night early early darkness of midnight uh-huh. and is many times we found snake in the bed or corner of the house Oh, oh so, and that is our <laughs> incidents which came out that no, many times you see crate is a crate is a most venomous snake but it doesn't cause local manifestations of bite mark at all oh. so victim is unaware that he is bitten by the snake he says i got a rat bite ant bite no but bite at all there could be a crate hanging around somewhere. oh yes <laughs> that that many times we found the patient or relative bring the big crate doctor can you see this is a big crate found around him it might be bitten so that's how you all my knowledge how to diagnose a crit bite that is very interesting that is very interesting and balram would you say that uh, to some extent being exposed to poison or toxins in whatever form helps us develop immunity uh, is it's true i think many people to many things whenever you are exposed i mean like i said i was talking about the dust there have been some studies where children who live in cities they are a lot more vulnerable to get um diseases because their immune uh, system is not very strong even for being exposed to dust and when they found that people the kids who grow up around farms they develop a lot more immunity right. to other things also it's just the immune system can be activated by by certain things that you are you are exposed to of course if you are exposed to poisons in minute quantities i mean obviously not snake poison <laughs> hopefully not um but but there are many other uh, including you know bacterial infections the people get a minor bacterial infection then you develop immunity including the the flu and other bacterial yeah, infection concept yeah. of antibodies anti anti yeah exactly antibodies and vaccination uh, right. is done accordingly but uh, so there's people do develop but i i had a, a remark to make you know the this idea of living uh, the having snakes or other organisms having poison so that they can this is how they can get food uh dr baskar you would you would uh, agree with me that there are a lot more non venomous snakes yes. than venomous snakes that that is so probably i think 90% of snakes are non venomous right. only 10% are and so they how also make a well, we are worried for venomous that's why they are enlightened more in medical profession because we are very, very about for the very much worried about the venomous snake yeah, 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 yeah. that's how we cause of that i the, think the point uh, balram uh, is making is yes. that even the non poisonous snakes seem to be making a living yes so. right. they have been living for so long right, right. and there are more of them right so i mean i think the we should we uh, should at least you know the thing is be socialized we are human beings so we have our own perspective on everything yes because we obviously need to live and it's is true i think what he's saying is true but i think we should also look at another aspect of it that uh, is that really uh, the reason why they have the venom because that's that may be one but there may be other that we may not be knowing and because at least it cannot be the region that for survival they have to have venom because there are lot more snakes who do not have venoms and survive yes same way is the bacteria actually i mean i i talk about bacteria there are very few bacteria which have which are infectious or pathogenic right actually there are lot more bacteria that we have in our own body actually our our body we have 10 times more bacteria than our own cells yes of course so so <laughs> then actually we are more bacteria than than human yeah right right, right. <laughs> and and they are all not pathogenic because if actually we took those bacteria out we probably would not survive much 
different professor and I'm an academic, he's a doctor. We both are doing and we are making life living also by right. doing that, right? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so poisons <laughs> exist so that Dr. Bhavaskar can make a living. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That would be yeah, about, right. that would be more, more it, it has become bread and butter of my life now. Exactly, <laughs> no? exactly, exactly. So, so the Bachulainam exists and I'm known because of the Bachulainam actually. I mean, my life is probably one of the half a dozen or so lives in the world that has such a prominence in botulinum toxin. So I could make a case that it really exists because <laughs> of me. Uh, <laughs> but, but I think it has, so one should always look at multi-purpose. I think there has to be some other purpose. I, and when you look at that, primarily, why even evolution occurs? Yes. And evolution occurs because of diversity. So this will fit better in diversity than because it has to have venom so that it can survive. So the nature just likes more of more. And more of like, more. And I yeah. think uh, poison uh, is very important from various perspectives. Of course, you know, controlling other animals and, you know, because you, the ecosystem runs by itself. But, you know, I, I, I teach a course, I used to teach a course uh, called Chemistry of the Mind. Chemistry of the Mind. Chemistry of the Mind. And uh, I used to have projects like, you know, something like this. Uh, one of the projects was we wanted to study thermodynamics of crime. Okay. Uh, and one of my students had this, I used to assign them projects and, uh -huh. and she found, actually she found in sociological literature uh -huh. that you have to have crime to have a stable society. Right. Well, if yeah, you right. don't, oh, yes, yes. so you have to have poison to be sensible organisms around. <laughs> <laughs> we, we could probably argue something like that. Yeah, right. So there is, has to be order so in this So snakes are on patrol, just making sure everyone snakes is are on at patrol. their fittest best in some way. Exactly. So <laughs> I think there is in, in many ways, actually of course snakes are friends, you know, those who kill uh, rats, obviously they are yes. friends to yes. humans because otherwise there will be too many the rats. They preserve the foods. Yeah, but that's again a very anthropocentric view. I mean, yes, very, again, it's very anthropocentric. Because that's what we think Yes. But the point is we should think from the nature's perspective, which I think is a diversity. Right. Diversity is in the nature, in the living and non-living, both. And that's, we need to know why the diversity. We need to understand the value of diversity. We probably should be part of the diversity. All that is a lesson to learn from this. And I think that's why, I mean, so if I were to give a real region, another region, another perspective, I would say that bacteria, for example, are very old. Yeah. They probably are very wise. Yeah. And they wanted to give us a lesson in diversity. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> it's interesting. So Dr. Bhavaskar, I think the tweak to that strain that we're developing, which is so interesting, is that if there were no human beings on the planet... Yeah. Just as a thought experiment, obviously all of us are happy to be here and making this conversation and so on and so forth. 
would snakes still be something some something somewhat evil let's 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 say the poisonous snakes do they serve a function in nature let's just take human beings out of the equation for a bit uh do you know what i mean what I let's mean? visualize a nature without human beings yes yes, yes. and uh you know obviously there would be poisonous snakes and non poisonous yes. snakes how how would you think of a nature of that nature because now since in the nature the both are uh, both are uh, both are equalizing that's uh, important because in the nature when the snakes are there and snakes are coming from very old evolutions as compared to this because of the reptiles they are on the way of evolution now and in the in in absence of woman we are telling me in absence of woman being yes you see how the in absence of because this is a diversity what the professor balab says the diversity both exist of course of uh, it course depends on each others this cannot be like this i so we cannot make isolated this species is it other does exist i think we will not have the narrative that we have right. i think in the, yeah. in the in the absence of <laughs> right. in the absence of human beings now there is a, there is a story somewhere i i, I don't remember i think in puranas or somewhere uh-huh. Uh-huh. there was some sage who saw an scorpion right, right. and he didn't his he took it out the scorpion was in the water okay. it was like a drowning that is yaknath barud okay that is called yaknath barud Ignat Bhav who right. took it out yeah. and then of course as he was taking it out the yeah. scorpion stung yes. him yeah, yes. okay and then then he left it yes. and then it went back into water yes. and he pulled it again yes. and he just kept doing it and kept getting stung yeah. and uh, so his his students said why are you doing yeah. this yeah. every time you yeah. you try he said yeah. i'm trying to save this scorpion's life right so that but he said that this is stinging so that's the nature of the scorpion my nature is Just to, to save it's a, it's a, so i'm doing my nature my trait as a human trait is supposed to be the, this is a, not a normal human trait obviously you yes. and yes. i are not he was an exceptional that. guy yeah. <laughs> so 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 the the thing is that we are human beings and we think that we are really the evolved species on this earth and so we have a narrative yes. but within human beings also there are evolutions so he was probably at higher ladder of evolution where he understood his trait is really to protect yes and in that sense he didn't mind to be even getting stung right by the scorpion and so i think if if you if you look at from that perspective of human nature because be human nature i mean we we believe in moksha you know the ultimate thing is more moksha happens from what i understand after death and right. uh, so <laughs> so that means death cannot be be a, one could not be fearful of right obviously so the snake only does is, is causes you death and maybe i mean there is a parikshit story right so yes. he welcomed it he embraced the so the death. Just, just to interpret you say if the cobra comes in front of a small child uh-huh. small child will never afraid because he has no idea of death of course you know when the cobra seen by the adult he will suddenly afraid and maintain died of cardiac arrest or heart attack so <laughs> this is what's different why the child what is a moksha means you should not afraid of death, death. unless you reach or revolve go to the child's uh, child mind that is the aim of what was say the moksha and that uh, bharud what says the scorpion was stinging to the his cry criminal behavior stop the criminal be rather will get a such pain he is telling be like a human being be like a wise man be like a good person be like a saint that's why it was repeatedly stinging to a person that he is giving a lesson be one improve yourself 
so they, there yeah. are so many right. lessons when we understand right. these things so <laughs> i mean it's unfortunate that we have only one way these these days we look at when materialistic science it's interesting it's interesting and if we change tracks a little bit balram and we just go to the molecular level and if you were to just look at the look at botulinum or anything else when you just look at the molecular structure without knowing what it does is it possible to predict that this thing is going to be poisonous or it's it's going to have a poisonous impact on a certain kind of target just uh, is there something in the structure which explains the function that's the question generally is very difficult i mean there's especially i mean all the toxin that we talk about is scorpion toxin snake toxins or botulinum toxin they are all proteins okay um so proteins are very complex molecules obviously made up of amino acids amino acids and even though they are very small number i mean like enzymes. small peptide peptides, that uh, scorpion is a yes. what 50 60 amino 60, acids 68 61 to 70 that is that is too complicated 50 60 is too complicated just to mm-hmm. give you a sense of it if you had a 100 amino acid there are 20 types of amino acids you have 100 amino acid peptide the permutation combinations of this just uh, 100 amino acid with 20 types of amino acids is comes to be approximately 10 to the power 200 oh. which is the number of atoms in the whole universe oh and that's only we are talking about the sequence but then on top of that there are secondary structural folding there are tertiary structural folding and there are quaternary structural folding and then uh, on top of all that there is a dynamics every picosecond or femtosecond they change right so so i think if we could predict i mean we do try to predict by looking at what is known if we already know that there is something that is known as a poison and this one we found is also matching with that then we might be able to predict but just looking at the protein structure itself no right we cannot we can make some cases that it i mean who knows i mean botulinum toxin is, a, is a one of the biggest medicine so you cannot say that's really a poison because by it's, knowing the it's exactly same mechanism Right. There is no difference in being it poison and and medicine in as far as the 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 mechanism is concerned. Yeah, in fact that old notion of pharmacon, I think the it's the same thing. And I mean, you know, for someone who has not looked at the botulinum toxin, what does it look like? The toxin itself uh, well, of course you cannot look at it. Yes, of <laughs> you course. You can look at its uh, x-ray crystal structures. Yeah. So the it has been crystallized. and you can use x-ray machine to there is a way to then use computer model to put a structure yeah. and it looks like a bird bird it looks like uh, a bird bird which has two wings <laughs> that's how it looks like uh it's the, the, the middle part there are three parts there is a the, on on the let's say on the right side there is a part which you can actually separate it okay. and it uh, it with it helps to bind to the nerves and its job is to then only only binds to nerves Okay. It doesn't bind to any presynaptic nerves. Yes, presynaptic. It it binds to presynaptic nerves. There is a receptor on those nerves which has its own normal physiological work. It just binds to that. The middle part then after binding this this taken in is through a process called uh, endocytosis. It's just okay. it's a uh, invagination basically. Anything that touches to all the cells they engulf it. Right. And then the middle part uh, then makes a hole in that uh, vesicle. Uh-huh. and then the 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 last the third part goes through it oh so it's a so very it's a very smart molecule it's a very militarized structure very militarized <laughs> regimented structure <laughs> and this last part has enzyme activity right so it once it goes inside it has it cleaves or digests certain proteins 
Actually, it cleaves only one protein. One of the types only cleaves one protein at only one position. But after the three protein complex, it's called snare protein complex. Snare protein. Snare proteins. Okay. And these are involved in the exocytosis or, or release of neurotransmitters. Particularly at the presynaptic membranes, it is acetylcholine, uh-huh. which is, is packaged in these vesicles and... Uh, and then it has to use these three proteins to to bind to the cell surface or me- cell membrane so that it can release it there. And what it does, it just cuts those pr- three proteins so that they cannot now attach at the membrane and cannot release. And so if the neurotransmitter is not released, as, as uh, Dr. Vasco, Vasco was saying, that it is then uh, at that point you are paralyzed because you cannot communicate from one nerve to the muscle, basically. Right. Right. But is right. it a reversible or irreversible block, which <coughs> occurs by botulism, presynaptic? It's a reversible. Oh, oh. Uh, it, it's just only a question of time. Oh, oh, right. So eventually the toxin dies. Now, this is a very fascinating thing. The yes. question of reversibility is very long. Yes. Uh-huh. It, it takes very long. The toxin can get inside the cell uh-huh. and can live there for months. Oh. Okay. Yes. Which is uh, highly unusual. And just stay dormant? It's, no, 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 no. It's active. It's active. It's active and lives there actively for months, at okay. least weeks to months. I mean, it could live up to 12 months. Okay. And that's why it is a very, it's, it's very dangerous. Right. Uh, number is dangerous from two points of view. If you have enough of it, then it will cause enough damage that you will stop breathing. And yeah. because the, for breathing, we need to have these muscles working all the time. Yes. So people die of fixation. Uh, mostly, yes. and but the but if you can put the artificial ventilation, then it's okay. You can just breathe, the, and you can survive long enough. But it takes, you know, it could take six months for you to be in the in the uh, intensive care unit, and oh. because it, it survives in the cell, and as long as it survives, you, there is nothing you can do about it. Right now, there is no other way to treat it. We do not have anti. We have antitoxin, but once it gets inside the nerves. There is no way you can do anything so about it. So you just it. wait for it to die as natural death. As natural death. So it, it blocks now. The, the, it has, so that's very dangerous because if, you know, even in a country like United States, there are only a couple thousand uh, ICUs. So if a couple thousand people get uh, botulism, then everybody else is out of service for six months, let's say. Right. And so it has a huge impact on the healthcare system of any country. Right. I mean, I mean, even even advanced society like United States. So, and but then the same characteristics uh-huh. of l- this surviving inside the cell for a long period of time also is good medicine. So it is being used, for example, that maybe people will understand. Uh, there are hundred more than hundred fifty or so disorders, neuromuscular disorders that this toxin is used to treat. Okay. One of them is, for example, migraine headache that people might know. Right. So migraine headache is, you know, one episode in, in a month or, or in a couple of weeks. And, but this toxin, once you inject it, it lasts for several months. So even though it costs, uh, it's expensive yeah. to use the, the toxin in different formulas. There is Botox, there is Dysport, there is a Xeomin, there is, I think, a couple others. Sure, um, sure. But it is, it, since it lasts several months... It's, uh, it's relatively cheap because of the same characteristics. And, and this is a mystery as to how it survives. And my, my group is interested for a long time in, in working on, on this as to how it survives. What is the molecular feature of this that makes it survive? No other protein is known to survive that long. No other protein. 
most proteins die within some minutes to maybe at the most couple of days uh, but this one survives a very very long time and uh, that's its, its feature it's so fascinating very it's, fascinating it's and very then fascinating. The, talking about evolution you know we we talk about evolution you know, from molecular pers- perspective as well as from uh, organism perspective you know so how complexity is developed and all that but here is uh, here is this uh, small organism one cell organism yes <laughs> and they're supposed to be very primitive because you know it's anaerobic and then hits the most evolved uh, system you know we have several system like circulatory system urinary system nervous system our digestive system we have here the nervous system so which is the most evolved in our body because it controls right. every other system right. but it hits that one right <laughs> and then can live in the inside for months It's so, so it's very fascinating in the so the process i mean one of the other thing that my group is very interested in is to understand the not just the molecular features but molecular dynamics yes to see whether we can learn something because when something is moving that that movement might be uh, the target of understanding as to how it survives inside so that's 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 some kind it's of interesting dr bavaskar can we contrast this with uh, how the scorpion poison works is it is it uh as dramatic as as uh, what balram yeah yes was. now the no sunda you see that the scorpion venom act indirectly okay on the body when it uh, inject and subcutaneous all, all the skin okay it stimulate the neuronal channel because of sodium neuronal channel is work is over by this time there is system is fire off and we get after manifestation but important which i study now more interest has been scientists are creating and envenoming as the uh, dr balram says he is also creating botulism now we are found most interesting factors because of this scorpion venom cause activation of ca- ca- sodium channels yeah now in a in a one disease in the human being where we get a brugada syndrome where 10% of south east people young people south east asia ha uh, out of cardiac arrest oh uh, yes 25 to 30 years they get a congenital genetic defect of sodium cardiac sodium neuronal channel by this they get bradycardia slip ventricular arrhythmia and dies in the slip so mm-hmm. ultimately we didn't have a solution unless they put on cardiac defibrillator icd right. intracardiac defibrillator which is expensive so what find in our in our, in few patient we get brugada syndrome scorpion sting oh. and they reverse to normal no brugada after one year after one year follow up this means this is acquired brugada but then we come to why this brugada has happened because this sodium channel are fired up by this venom so much so the venom of the cardiac channel become paralyzed so right. ultimately they will manifest like a congenital brugada right so ultimately we conclusion can we use a square fraction of scorpion venom which has selectively stimulate the sodium channel because i has already told you it's a cocktail it's a cocktail so we have to analyze ultimately with another we take out the fraction which has a specific activity to cardiac sodium channel which can be used as a treatment to reverse the brugada syndrome right. that's a very one of the one of the most important application now the scorpion venom is enlightened in medicine now they are using to treat or to label or to visualize the brain tumors oh oh that's a very important finding we are getting now brain they can use for to hydrolyze localize the brain tumor and even they can use for to localize and again the is that again why the sodium channel no 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 this is a different structure we don't sure. know okay. i can they can use for to treat the epilepsy you see all the anti epilepsy drugs are sodium channel blockers all the anti epilepsy drugs and similar structure they are developing from the scorpion which can have persistent treatment for the chronic epilepsy 
So right. small doses can be given, or one dose can treat the epilepsy. That image is going on in the world. But the, the, you said that so, these are sodium channel activators. Activator, but the, they are you, changing the athlete. They can getting a structure of sodium channel. They can modify. Oh. Uh, uh, agonist, competitive agonist. This will be competitive okay. agonist to the sodium channel. That's very interesting. Yeah. Now very next, same is true with the snake also. You see snake, uh, no, no doubt we are afraid, we are just discussing on snake kills, snake is venomous, but it is a boon to the human beings. Right. Because you see, now you know hemophilia. McFerney was a hematologist from uh, last century. Uh -huh. We just added Russell Viper venom. He took up the Russell Viper venom, uh, add to the hemophilic blood and the blood clotted. Oh. Oh, yes. And by that, he elucidated the detailed coagulogram. The cascade of clotting mechanism and which has enlightened to us to diagnose all, all this clotting mechanism and treat it. That's very Now there is myasthenia gravis where there is paralysis which occurs because myasthenia gravis. We are not knowing the why the myasthenia gravis occurs. Now the crate venom has just, the antibody has detected the acetylcholine receptor antibodies are responsible for myasthenia gravis. That's why treatment has come. Then another clot bluster we are using in myocardial infarct to dissolve the thrombus. That has come from the viper venom. That is clot bursters. Next important, we are treating the antihypertic by AC inhibitor. That AC inhibitor has come from the viper venom itself. So it is no doubt it is just kill. We are looking at the one, one side of the venom, but another side is a big boon to the human victims. That's very interesting. That's very interesting. And uh, Balra, maybe we just change tracks a little bit once again. And you know, uh, you were speaking about West Ashika philosophy the other day. And... Mm. Uh, you know, the, I mean, what's the way to conceptualize poison and why it has a certain impact on a certain kind of space? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yes, yes. And I think it, it's, it relates very much to what uh, uh -huh. Dr. Bhaskar just said. Um, that, you know, the, the, the idea of making it medicine is uh, was only comes through understanding. Right. So, so your earlier question, why the toxins are produced, they probably are produced... Uh, by the venoms, poisons, bacterial toxins, plant toxins also. Plants also produce toxins. Yes. They're all, you know, one of the other narrative could be they're making us, they're they are produced so that become, we become wise. Wise means we need to understand. We understand more. Understand more, then, then they're not toxin anymore. I mean, like botulinum toxin that I work with is, uh, is so of people are afraid of, you know, there is a special facility, there is special regulation, all kind of thing that is done. You know, you, in my lab, in, now there is a special, a special uh, facility, special requirements because of its biodefense. It's a bioterror agent. Yes. And so U.S. government regulates it. Yeah. Uh, where, <laughs> wh wh whosoever works with it. Just like anthrax. Anthrax. Oh, it's yes, a more, anthrax. more regulated Another, than yes, anthrax yes, because right. anthrax is not as toxic, even though it's a class A agent. As just like botulinum, in case of anthrax, it's the it's the the bacteria that is regulated. In case of this, it's toxin that is regulated. And the the thing is that you asked me the question, how does it look? Well, you cannot see toxins. You can maybe grow bacteria, but you cannot grow toxins. Yes. So its detection is so difficult. So it's very anyway very scary. And in my lab, when when things were not as regulated, still people knew that this is very toxic substance. So, you know, as campuses, there are theft and other kind of problems, but so not in our area. Not in our area. No, last thing any thief ever want to go is in our area. So there are values. And what I'm trying to say is that because these toxins are produced and because we have, we are not afraid because we understand it. Those who don't understand it, 
they cannot even imagine why do we work yes last year when i moved my lab from out from the campus to outside and the campus even actually uh, two years ago they they were they they had difficulty maintaining the all the the requirements right. and that's part of the reason um, that they the work i had to move it outside and i bought a, i not did not buy i was buying a building <laughs> and then people heard about this that they he is buying this building and then you know i'm a little bit known in the area <laughs> it was scared <laughs> i have this <laughs> bad name in a sense like what i work with they were all scared even though this is really everybody knows this is is being used as a medicine yes but because we understand dr bhaskar understands and other people who understand this then they know how to use it just like you know almost anything when iron can ki- hit you and kill you yeah, yeah. but the the same iron can become no, your protector yeah. if you really i mean you can make gun you can make door all kind of stuff so yeah, of course. It, it fits with everything i'll so come to understood, your so when understood poison can be medicine okay poison can be medicine with understanding so this i would rather them and i know dr bhaskar he's using the 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 whatever narrative we have about science that you know they are not as evolved we are more evolved because the right. reptiles are not that evolved but who knows maybe they are more evolved yeah of course because they have created all this bacteria maybe uh, bacteria is yeah, more evolved yes. because it is probably laughing at us we just don't hear it <laughs> <laughs> it took many years to understand them so it's, it's a means to make us wise Let's, yeah. let's say it bacteria is our great 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 grandmother <laughs> and then he wanted to us to become wise just like grandmothers do and sometimes there is a tutorial going on there is a tutorial way. going on and and also they say there is a reward you know if you really do understand this you can remove your wrinkles Yes. because here is yeah yeah here's here, botox yes yeah, botox botox same botox remove your wrinkles you or young. you can treat with the with the venoms yes, yes. the different diseases can be treated which otherwise heart diseases or other things can be but you have to understand it so yes. this may be actually there's another narrative now to, uh, to your question no. about bisesica so i always get asked this question for people who are otherwise naive they will say why is the same thing poison and same thing medicine it's the you know we give a seminar in in a, in a university people ask the same question and there is really no answer yeah because the mechanism is exactly same yeah and so we always say no no it's really the uh, it's question of dose and things like that but we i when i got exposed to the center for indic studies and you know i got i became director of it and i needed to know something i mean i really did not know anything formally i'm not educated in indian philosophy sure uh, formally sure. so but and i did self study and uh, because i i needed to appear like i'm director of center for indic studies so i <laughs> needed to say something i know sure. and i studied this basic philosophy and they have this concept of substance and yes. this is a substance toxin yes. is a substance yes um it's very very interesting that they how the substance is created for in basic philosophy the people you know talk about dharm as a religion but they doesn't talk about dharm as a religion it's very like a scientific they define the, what dharm is dharm is basically a, a series of uh, laws or or uh, uh whatever rules and i mean scientific laws that cre- that creates anything and ends it that's basically dharm is defined in basic philosophy and then they say dharm is the one which creates padarth i don't know the what to call in english padarth then padarth has substance actually it has it says they call it dravya and the dravya so is padarth has dravya Uh, no uh, yeah padarth has drug padarth has other thing but also it has seven has things has drug amongst other things yeah it, it's very fascinating thing that you know one should really 
deeply think about it right because they in the in the padarth is also something you don't have defines what you are right just like we human beings the, there are a lot of things that we don't have maybe we want but maybe some of things we don't want we don't want the venoms <laughs> we want right. to be unless it is given by someone for for uh, some kind of medication or something so padarth is of course drabhi is one of them but then there are other things which that includes one of the thing includes that what you don't have it right. also defines what padarth is it's very interesting very very deep and then but i didn't want to deal with any of those because it really is too complicated <laughs> <laughs> so i i picked up down drabhi Okay. and it means substance because then i could relate it to matter which is in chemistry yes and then the 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 substance has nine elements and there's an air fire there's a panch mahabhutas sure and it has time it has space it has self and it has mind all mm. these are elements so it's here up to your mind i mean at the end of this so and those who will be listening they will have very different substantially they very different idea right. about what the venoms are because we have now right. have some conversation about it so even mind makes a substance different so so anyway i didn't want yes. to i i was too far from mind thing and that's why later on i started teaching chemistry of the mind because i wanted to earn, learn more about the sure. the mind but i focused on the time and and the space okay time is something as a chemist i know uh because you, you add, because the, the substance is defined very Again, different the dynamic structure you were speaking about a while yes, ago in yes, the context yes, of both yes. the with yes. time the, there is a time yes. in it because when you were talking yes. about dynamics but the thing is that it was talking about uh it's very interesting thing is that its substance is defined very differently than what i the chemist i will accept it but i do not define it like that right. um be defined that a substance is or matter is something that takes space yeah. and has some some mass yeah that's all really the definition of matter is but the the substance is defined as something that has a uh, a quality and action so if quality and action changes of the same like you and me then we are substantially different yeah which right. i think we will accept uh, in social conversation intuitively yes intuitively that substantially different because we spend so much time here right uh we of course with time we also change our half life and you know everything sure. has a half life but the real issue was this space can we spend a minute on this half life what do you mean by that oh half life means is like everything has a we just call it half life because everything sure. uh, has a certain period of time to to so exist is the natural rate of decay Yes, natural rate of decay. It's I was coming to that. that yeah, but it, since it is, it runs uh, natural exponential, so that we we don't define like uh, like my life is hundred years. So today, what will be my half life? Yes. But I have to find because every time this characteristic is going to be different. Every moment, it so half life is is something that we eventually we find out where where the end is. Every substance has different uh, sure. life. Sure. So that's why we talk about half life because that's half of that the natural decay. Sure. Okay. So it's basically is life. You know, sure. for for practical purposes, we can talk about sure. the life. Everything has a life. So obviously, with time, things change. We know that we we become we are born and then we become old. Eventually, we die. Yes. And and so does everything else the buildings or microphones or even ideas actually you know the ideas, ideas are created and then they course. die you know after a while but so that was easy to understand because i know if we mix two things and wait for some time something happens and substantially things have changed sure but I, the real question was this space and i was really very puzzled with this and but i found that it definition is that quality and action should change then it will be different so i started looking for something that will have a space 
uh, element in it, but quality and accent will change. And this is where it stuck me to combine with botulinum toxin because I know the quality and accent of botulinum is medicine or toxin. Wow. So yes. dramatically different. And then I started thinking what the difference is. Well, of course, I used to know the dose. Yes. So, the, you know, I connected with the dose and space. Now, how, you know, being a chemist, obviously, I, I sure. delve in that area. Sure. So, the, the, the space is that when the molecule has more space, uh-huh. which means it is diluted, which means low dose. Right. Then it is, let's say, happy and it's your friend. But if it is concentrated, which is higher dose means molecule has less space. Is, is this, in a way, the underlying concept behind homeopathy? No, homeopathy is a little bit different. Sure. Homeopathy, they use very low concentration uh-huh. of metals, but then they think there is a, they use so low concentration, they think there is an uh, impact of the metals on the water or other molecules that that, that affects. Sure. So that's a little bit different. Sure, than sure, this. Sure. this one yeah. is, is the molecule itself when it is, it has more space. Now the substantially it becomes different. Just it, and it, it's interestingly it applies to everything. You know, this is one thing that really struck me about Vaisesika, that it is, it has an, it, it it's is truly a truly fundamental. Too, yeah. Truly fundamental. Like human beings, we are three of us sitting here, and if we increase it a uh, thousand times. We, we will be, be 3,000, I think we will start killing each other, right? We will become toxic, we will break the wall, we will do all kinds of things. The same thing the molecule does. Right. When you, when you put 1,000-fold, uh, a nanogram is a toxin, a picogram, generally speaking, sure. is a medicine. So, of course, the, your, and, and the, we can talk about the mechanism, how it really works and all that. But sure. obviously, it, it has, it, when it is a small amount, it doesn't spread all around. And so, it cannot affect everything. And so that's how it, it is very local. But then locally also, it only paralyzes so minor, it's almost calibrated so that your, your disease are What do you are say resolved. to that, Dr. Bhavaskar, this notional linkage of, uh, we've obviously spoken of both poison and medicine several times, but this linkage to the concept of space, what is your take on yes, that? Yes, this is true. What the Balram says is absolutely true and accepted because you see, we, this venom is, if you use in maximum, di- maximum dose, it will be venomous. Because of this upon dose, what is a space? If you use a low molecular or less molecules in a in a small uh, small solution, it will become a medicine. Yes. And so, for example, when you design an anti-venom, what exactly oh, yes, do yes, you exactly. do? Same, same same role is played to prepare anti-venom. The uh-huh. horse or animal he immunize by giving a low dose, planning how much dose is required, which doesn't kill the animal but immunize that horse. On that basis, they are preparing anti-venom. And that those, but this is not true for women victims because this by this time uh, patient develop immunity and immunity vans away in a it in wins. a couple in a couple of months, and we, we are not getting a prolonged immunity. So vaccine cannot be used as a to treat the woman victim because in the vaccine the dose is low, very dose, and which is not enough to stimulate the maximum uh, maximum immunity systems. And so ultimately, whatever immunity is stimulated, it is not enough. To prevent the subsequent death by the same dose by the by the snake. So the half life or whatever of that immunity is much shorter. In much shorter life. And is so in a way what you're saying, Dr. Bhavaskar, is that it's not possible to get permanent immunization against venoms. 
yes as human beings it's not we, we you said the, the problem of this venom is we the our scientists are, at least we are not come to no conclusion how much minimum venom will cause immunity and doesn't cause the harm to the patients that's right. one way that's the way and very important because these are very toxic and highly evolved molecules what you say because they are they are very highly evolved and toxic and nobody dare to utilize as for the vaccine and ultimately because this is a very temporary phenomena which is occurring there has been attempt to produce a crate venom crate venom toxide but this is fertile right. so ultimately the human body response is differ than the animal response so ultimately animal the anti venom because this is a this is a acute life threatening incidence yes. this is a time limiting yes and here we know we do never wait for wait for develop the antibody in our own body so yeah, ultimately it, it will take at uh, least uh, days uh, days be, even if you are exposed to something it will take uh, at least several hours before even antibodies start uh, weeks working. weeks it takes weeks or maybe it will take days to weeks, weeks generally so by then it's too late that's one i i've been mean, toxoid can vaccine can be produced but it's not going to be useful for for this kind of things and so why don't we why don't we spend the last uh, few minutes just thinking about the future of where all the, all of this is going to go what is the future of poison do you think uh, is it, is it, is know, it possible the, for us to have vaccines at all in the no, next no, 500 no. years no 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 the problem we don't have vaccine at all we don't because vaccine will be the futile attempts uh-huh. because how many patient how many person you are going to immunize and the venom is very expensive it is not so cheap venom so what and does one do dr babaskar and then then ultimately what what our aim is can now we have seen the cobra venom most important clinical complication of death occur because of blocking of presynaptic receptors cardiovascular effects are late same is the crate bite which are called the presynaptic blockers so can we can we the scientists can analyze the exact molecule which right. are the responsible for to block the nervous receptor we don't study the cocktail we want to take out the exact molecule which block and ultimately can we prepare a chemical structure exactly to that molecules right so ultimately you say when the bite has you can inject that chemical structure so they can be temporarily block this uh, uh, this receptor if the snake bite has already occurred and it will prevent the blocking of the already blocked receptor venom will remains free in the circulation will be excreted and ultimately this receptor will vanish within couple of within a two, uh, within a one day so venom will be rapidly excreted when we when the venom doesn't get a receptor available venom will be free in the blood and that will be excreted so ultimately this is the most important attempt when the israel peoples are attempting like that where are yeah. we in that research how far are we now now is a quite a way because israel peoples are trying like this 100 now. years 200 no, no 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 it will be very fast you see we are in information technology there is no 100 years now there is days <laughs> forget the 100 years now so advanced uh, molecular biology you know very advanced in few years before even 1990 we were not knowing this much portalism now we are there is nothing left to newer candidate to study more portalism that's interesting yes. balram last few minutes with you uh, what are the open questions in portalism and how where do you think is likely to be in the next uh, few centuries or days whichever whichever timeline you prefer yeah i think i mean it, there are few things that we we think we know and in case of botulinum is you know obviously it's a bio defense agent and us government and other governments as well have been spending um, i would say hundreds of millions of dollars in last 10 15 years do they do the terrorists have it 
the, we don't know, of course, one, one only suspects. Yes. Uh, so I think there is a possibility that they could have it. The, but it has not been easy. What I'm trying to say is not, even though we know crystal structure, we know its mechanism, but we do not have, right now my group is in consortium with the Department of Defense to develop this small molecule for, <laughs> uh, for anti-botulism. Uh, anti Right. And actually, we are looking at, believe it or not, we are looking at natural compounds. Natural we compounds? We are, com yeah, we are screening natural compounds. Which are similar structures. Uh, which can block it. And, but the developing a drug is from a discovery of a molecule that may have a potential to making it a drug is 10-year process. Yes, clinical trials. And clinical trials phases. and all that. And by and large, about 90% of them fail. Yes. From where you, so we have not succeeded. We, I think, so I, I'm not very as optimistic that we will have this. Uh, we may have to certain things, and then they have a lot of side effects. Whatever you come up with, because we have less comprehensive understanding of, even though we know some very selected molecules, be their selected ideas. But there is so many other ideas about it. Like I, I was telling you of that course. you know the the, the botulinum toxin. There are so many layers of uh, compli complexities. Then you have to understand all of them. I think that in terms of what will happen in the future is I think we will learn more. Uh, we will learn more than what we don't know. I think we will have much better idea uh, of our own ignorance about of it. our own ignorance and probably will appreciate more as to what the nature has. And we'll be, hopefully will make it wi make us wiser in terms of uh, how to avoid. I mean, botulism. You don't have to get botulism if, if, because it's, it's not something that is coming all around all the time uh, yes. surrounding you. If you don't eat uh, certain spoiled food or you don't eat canned food, and you know there are th certain ways to avoid botulism. Sure. And uh, there are not too many cases of botulism anyway because there's only the it's whole... Not, it's not a very prevalent... Uh, no, 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 disease. it's not. I think in, in India, it's, uh, hardly there are a couple, couple of... Couple of, couple of cases in probably a century. Uh, in the U.S., there are a couple hundred every year. Mm, yes. So then then you can, you can just see that. I mean, there was a study recently related, a little bit related to this, is that in rural India, there is a case of 45 per lakh uh, cases of cancer. Sure. Uh, in the cities is 90. Right. In the U.S. is 300, 350. So when you advance your society, you become vulnerable to all this. Maybe we will get a better wisdom that we need to le learn to live more uh, near the nature by understanding it. And uh, then dealing with it in such a way that we do not have to necessarily create these many counters. Like, I mean, I... Yeah, just making friends with bacteria. Oh, no, no. It's making it's friends with bacteria, we already are surviving on their, <laughs> on their mercy. <laughs> oh, no, no problem. This can be preventable if the better with the health education. Exactly. This is, health go. education is very important because going through detail and so enormous toxicity, health, health education... Prevention is, is better, than, better cure. than cure. That's very important. Terrific. Terrific. Exactly. I think now, that's where I think we hopefully we will live. Okay. These yeah. molecules are so strong yeah. that they get our attention, and that's how we, we work on Thank you. Thank you so Thank much to pleasure. both of you for being with us. It's a great pleasure and privilege to have you. We look forward to having you soon again. Thank it's you. It's been Take great care. to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.